uh, thinking carefully, pondering uh, things that we um, that we hear about and, and things that um, that we learn about. It's not something we we do very often, uh, if at all. And to be honest, much of what we hear and see and print and news uh, media, with which we're bombarded uh, all day long, and uh, is is not worth the effort. Sometimes, is it? I mean, so many things are not worth much thought. But some things are. And this evening, the last Sunday in Advent, I want to consider Mary, uh, the mother of our Lord, who who lived in a very different world uh, than anything like ours. Um, She lived in a very small, isolated world with relatively little new input from day to day. Um, There was the day-to-day life of a small village, of course, um, but new things, unexpected things, far away things, they were not very common. So when Mary heard the testimony, uh, the report of the Bethlehem shepherds who came to see her baby, whom she had upon her lap, and to share the news about how they had been visited by angels and told things, we read that Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. That's our text, Luke 2.19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. A text that bids, bids us to sort of stop and, and to ponder and to treasure uh, with, with Mary um, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, What were those things that Mary treasured up and pondered in her heart? Or to say it another way, what exactly did Mary discover about the infant Jesus? It's the common experience of parents to look upon their infant children and and to wonder about them and to to think about them. What will they do in life? What will they become? Uh, uh, How will it go with them? And of course, we have no way of knowing Um, But Mary did. Mary did know some very significant, wonderful things about this absolutely unique and blessed child. Um, uh, For the first thing, Mary was, remember, directly visited uh, prior to her conception by the angel Gabriel. Gabriel is one of the only two angels in the Bible that are actually named for us. So, a visit from the angel Gabriel was very special. Uh, And twice he refers to Mary as the favored one. And he reveals to her that by the power of the Holy Spirit, she would conceive a son who was to be called Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom that his kingdom shall be no end. To which he adds, all this is recorded in Luke one twenty six. the child to be born will be called uh, holy, the son of God. Now, did you catch all of that? I mean, that, that's a lot of, of data, we would say. <laughs> a lot of information. 
Um, Holy Spirit conception. Son of the Most High, reigning over the house of David, whose kingdom will have no end. That was a lot to think about. But that's not all that she knows. Um, The second source of information she would have had came from Joseph, to whom she was betrothed. For the Gospel writers, Matthew records in Matthew 1, 20, 21, that Joseph, having discovered uh, that his intended wife was already pregnant, was planning to quietly divorce her and break off the marriage. And then he too was visited by an angel of the Lord in a dream, directing him to take Mary as his wife, and that her conception was from no one less than God the Holy Spirit. The angel said, she will bear a son, and you were to call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. We can certainly presume that Joseph would have shared this encounter with Mary, giving those words to her. And Mary, I know the name. Uh, Jesus told me we're to call him Yeshua, Messiah, Savior. He'll save his people from their sin. Her baby, the Messiah, the Savior. There's a third piece of information that Mary received, and this uh, would have come from her meeting with her relative, Elizabeth. Uh, Back in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel again, seeking to encourage Mary uh, to believe the remarkable news that he had just given her, reveals that her relative, Elizabeth, who was well beyond the years of childbearing, was also pregnant and expecting. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month uh, with her who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. So Mary hustles off quickly to visit her kinswoman Elizabeth. And Luke records uh, that when Elizabeth uh, hears the familiar voice of Mary... Uh, she was suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit. And this, this is the most, really, this is one of the most blessed verses in all of the Bible. You, you, you've got to put this on the top. Um, she's filled with the Holy Spirit and she blurts out to Mary, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me uh, the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. (laughs) The mother of my Lord and the baby, that would have been John the Baptist, leaps for joy. (laughs) This is is a lovely text. It's all you can say. Um, Well, there's finally a fourth piece of information, and that comes um, from what Mary received from the testimony of the shepherds, which I referred to earlier. Earlier, they, they arrive uh, at the stable or, or wherever it was to, to see the Christ child that uh, they had been told about. These shepherds who were watching over the sheep outside of Bethlehem uh, were are suddenly, well, you know the story, suddenly met by an angel of the Lord who gives them good news of great joy for all people, uh, after which they are surrounded somehow by this multitude of heavenly hosts who can't contain themselves. They're praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So after that, they all rush off to Bethlehem to see the babe. 
and uh, Luke 2.16, and they went with all haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, uh, uh, with whom we read, they made known, whom they made known. They shared, in other words, what they had been told concerning the child, that is, what they had heard on high. And all who heard it wondered or marveled at, uh, at, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, our text, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She had heard from the angel Gabriel, from Joseph, from Elizabeth, and finally from the shepherds. Well, what are we to make of all this today? What, is this, what, what does it mean to us? And by way of application, we're trying to boil all this together, this information of these wonderful verses that Mary received, I'm going to think of three things um, that you and I might well treasure and ponder up ourselves. Um, first of all, let us treasure and ponder uh, the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. And that may sort of seem like an obvious point, but, but sometimes when we read the Bible, um, it clearly speaks of God the Father, and sometimes of God the Son, and sometimes of God the Holy Spirit, and, and we mustn't confuse them, um, and they all are um, God, one God, and sometimes it's difficult to even know exactly which one is being referred to. But here in this text, the praise is clearly focused upon Jesus as the glorious Son of God. He is the Son of God. The child to be born to you, Luke one thirty five, will be called holy, the Son of God. Um, and in verse 32, he will be great, he'll be called the Son of the Most High. Uh, that's who the angels are talking about. Jesus God, the desire of the ages. This, this wonderful baby is a man, but still, he's God. He's the Holy One. He's eternal and unchangeable. He is perfectly good and perfectly powerful and perfectly knowledgeable. He is able to do whatever he wishes, but he only wishes that which he must do. He sees in a glance everything, the entire scope of history from beginning to end. There's nothing that misses his eye from the smallest insect that we cannot see, which he knows perfectly and exactly how everything is with it. Uh, to that which we can't even imagine. Uh, the endless millions of galaxies and stars that stretch from here to eternity. All of that. He was there at creation, creating all things out of nothingness in the beginning. And he'll be there at the end. Except there never will be an end. And how is all this possible? How can Jesus be so human and yet so perfectly and completely God. But he is. All I can say is that it was never, there's never a bad time, there's never an appropriate time for worshiping Jesus, the eternal Son of God, and remembering this is God as well as the Lord Jesus, a man. He knows who we are. We are a people filled with pride and anger and unbelief. We're a people capable of unimaginable cruelty and betrayal and incredible selfishness. But we are also capable, by the grace of God, to live in a very close relationship with him, 
the true and living God, who is Emmanuel, who is God with us, who will never leave us or forsake us, who lived in this world and experienced our joys and sorrows and hardships firsthand, and yet was and is at the same instant Almighty God. That's worth pondering and meditating on. Uh, with fear and rejoicing. Jesus is God. Mary was holding God himself in her arms. Now, here's the second thing, and that is to treasure and ponder uh, Christ as Savior. Um, Here we see this revelation of the Lord as the Christ, the Savior. The angel tells Joseph uh, straight out, uh, she will bear a son, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And as we have heard and know, Jesus' very name means Savior. He is eternally God Almighty, but he's also the eternal Savior. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the measure of his love and greatness. Rather than turn away from us in holy anger and disgust, he left the glory and comforts and pleasures of heaven and the fellowship of the Father and the Spirit and was incarnate and humbled himself and was made man. And why did he do that? Well, we, we know why he did it. There's only one explanation. He, he did it out of love. He did it because he wasn't, there was and is no other way and no other one who could save us out of the misery of our sin and separation from God. Um, Isaiah put it this way, that, that God looked and saw there was no one who could both vindicate his honor and save his people from their sins who could both vindicate the honor of God and yet save his people. And so he became, as we're told in Romans 3.27, both the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And isn't that something to think about and treasure in our hearts, to ponder that Jesus gave us his son as a savior. There's no other way to to escape bondage of sin. There's no other way to honestly throw off a conscience that will convict and hound and harass us for eternity in hell itself. There's no other Savior. That's what Jesus, uh, or Mary, was grappling with also as she looked down on this baby in her lap to see the Creator God and yet, at the same time, her Savior. That was something to ponder and for us to ponder and think about and delight in. Finally, we can treasure a third thing. And that is, um, we can treasure uh, and ponder Jesus as the eternal Lord, the Son of God, the Savior, and the eternal Lord. Um, Mary is told by the angel Gabriel, Luke one thirty-one to 33 Behold, um, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and shall call his name Jesus, And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. That's to say, 
that he is to be, uh, to, or rather to say that he's been given the throne of David forever, that he will be, that he'll reign over the house of Jacob, that he'll rule without end, is to name Jesus as the eternal Lord of all. In other words, Jesus is God and Savior. But he's also seated at the right hand of the Father where he rules over his church, where he rules over the world, where he is building his church, patiently drawing men and women and boys and girls to himself, calling all men everywhere to come to Christ our Savior. And some there are, to be sure, who mistake his patience for weakness and say to themselves, some Lord is he. But we know that he is Lord. We know that he who long ago promised and and patiently awaited when the time had fully come, did come as an infant, a spotless lamb and savior. And we know that he'll come again, not to bear sins, but to return as the Lion of Judah, the mighty warrior with his angels to gather his people and to judge the world and to usher in the beginning of eternity. And then it is that he will establish his lordship and his rule with completion in the new heavens and the new earth that will last forever. Uh, A lordship and an eternal kingdom against which no one shall argue and no one will fight or persecute or even murmur. And how long is eternity? How long is forever? How do we measure a kingdom without end. It's really an impossible thing. There's nothing in our life that's forever. We don't know that word. But maybe this illustration will be helpful. I want to think, you know, think of yourself, this is a pleasant thought, of sitting um, in, on the beach in Ocean City or, or Wildwood. Now, you know how big that beach is, where you can look north and south um, and when it's not filled with people, Um, you'll see um, an endless beach, um, all filled with sand, and sand that extends out for miles into the ocean. Now, I want you to think of a bird, a bird that uh, flies in and settles on the beach and takes in her beak a single grain of sand and flies up toward the moon. Now, how far away is the moon? We know the answer to that because we have astronauts who went there. It's 238,900 miles away. Now, a bird travels at approximately 25 miles per hour. And um, at that rate, it means it will take that bird with a single grain of sand in its beak 395 days to get to the moon. That's a year and a month. And another year and a month to get back to Wildwood. It almost seems that long when you're on the expressway sometimes to get Wildwood, but it's, it's, not, it's not really that long. Um, so I want you to think about eternity as the amount of time it will take that bird uh, to collect every grain of sand one at a time on the entire seashore and carry it and deposit it at the moon. Um, eternity, the rule of Christ in heaven, together with his beloved children, you and I, will be longer, infinitely longer than that. Because the final measure of Jesus' lordship is his eternity. His kingdom shall have no end. What amazing thought. Eternity with Jesus. And it won't get boring. We'll be happy 
the first day and will be happy on the last day. Amazing thought. Wonderful treasure to ponder. But I need to end with this uh, final thought. Because in the um, text, in Luke 2.18, we're told that all who heard it, that is the testimony of the shepherds, what had been told them by the angels, what they saw, that all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And the word translated there as, as wondered means that they were amazed, uh, they were astonished, they were surprised. But amazement is not the same as faith. Um, it's not the same as, and it doesn't guarantee um, understanding. Uh, we can be certain that, that then, as well as today, some who heard uh, soon forgot. Even the angel chorus and the testimony of Joseph and the shepherd's report and the miraculous birth itself, even the Savior, they just forgot about it. And they became distracted with their lives, with the trials and difficulties and the hardships and the pleasures of, of life. And, and they never understood it or believed it or acted upon it in faith at all. It didn't do anything with what they knew. Don't you think that such a wonderful description of who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish and all those other things that, that Mary heard and God caused to be written down in the book and, and all of much more that we know today, that that might, that should elicit more than simple surprise or mild interest at that. And how for many people it's nothing more than just ho-hum. Do you believe what you've read and heard this evening? That Jesus is, uh, of Nazareth is indeed the eternal Son of God? That he is uh, Christ uh, the Savior as well, and that uh, he is uh, the, the eternal Lord over all of creation, the living God whose throne will have no end. Mary believed it, and, uh, which is not to say she understood all of that, by the way, everything she'd heard. She treasured it up, she pondered it, she held it in faith and puzzled over it, doubtless praying for a fuller understanding of what all this meant. But just let me say that, that God does not require you to understand everything you read in the Bible. Um, there are some mighty mysteries and some miracles and some doctrines and occurrences throughout history in our lives that we puzzle over. There's a wonderful story about uh, two men who are riding on a, sort of goes back a few years, I guess, on a train car uh, in New York. And um, one of them was a, was a Clergyman, pastor, apparently had some identification of that. And um, the other was a businessman who um, was there, and he looked at him and said, um, I see you're a man of the cloth. And uh, the pastor said, yeah, I, I, I do, uh, I am a pastor. And, and he said, um, and uh, read the good book, do you? And uh, the pastor admitted that he, he was uh, fond of reading the scriptures and and uh, the business said, yes, and um, the good number of things in there you really don't understand. Isn't that true? And, uh, and he uh, thought he really caught the guy. And uh, the pastor said, well, you know, it's a little bit like this beautiful piece of, of uh, Hudson, Hudson the River cod that we're both eating together here in, here in the dining car. 
Um, and when I come across a, a little bone, I just take it and put it aside and go on and re- enjoy the rest of the, of the meal. And the businessman wound his watch quietly. Well, that's sometimes what we have to do, isn't it? We, we don't understand everything, but we, we just take it aside, lay it aside, and go on and, and enjoy all of the wonderful things that we can understand. And we mustn't clutch. We mustn't choke over them and hold God hostage over them. We receive them in faith and we treasure them and we ponder them. We're, we are as little children before God and shouldn't expect to, to perfectly understand all of his decrees and purposes. It's enough for us to adopt an attitude of obedience and delight. Uh, what we have in the gospel is ultimately a moral challenge. Will we submit to Christ and to the gospel or not? It doesn't mean to say that it's not an intellectual challenge. It is. But chiefly, after everything is said and done, the question is, will we submit to Christ or not? Who sits on the throne? Who has the final say? Who is the Savior? Who is the Lord? And who is the one who has the right to declare a right from wrong? There's, there's a lot of different ways to say that. But in the end, it really all amounts to the, first, the same thing. Are you willing to name yourself a savior, a sinner, and are you willing to confess Christ as God and as your needed savior? And are you willing to confess him as Lord and worship him as the eternal ruler of the universe? Because if you are, if you've, if you've turned or, or will turn in repentance to him from your pride and unbelief and reach out in faith, then you can have that saving peace and presence of Christ forever. Uh, to worship and enjoy and treasure and ponder for eternity. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for um, these things we read about your servant Mary and, and how she received these different bits of information that all must have been so amazing for a, a simple girl to have received. And yet we're told she, she received, and you know, Lord, she received them in humble faith and obedience and and treasured them and pondered them. We pray that we too may ponder those good things that we know. And we might not stumble on those things which we don't understand. But rejoice in these blessed reminders of, your, of, of who you are as the living God and the Savior and the Lord of overall. Bless your word to our hearts, we pray. Encourage us in it. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.